96-7W. Classified top secret subject is... Hey, kids! Comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. other listener are you no I th- you looked at me and I thought oh. I was just about to go into the spiel that we normally go into but it'll do won't it uh, you're listening to Hey Kids Comics I'm Andrew Leyland I'm Michael Leyland uh, we did that properly this week as well really sure properly we don't we'd normally make drivel up this is drivel yes that's true and we're making it up as we go along so what's wrong with that alas for all those people who only tune in to hear the wit and wisdom of our magnificent listener base. We don't have any emails this week. No. Not a one. Sad. Not one. At all. At all. At all. No. I was quite upset by that. Uh, have you not... Did, did, um, maybe not, we just didn't say anything interesting last week. Did they not send... Or maybe they were just so gobsmacked by the sheer awesomeness of Kristen Bell driving a Ford <laughs> Mustang with a flamethrower that being chased by a dinosaur that they just could not put yeah. finger to keypad or maybe they sent a letter and it got lost within royal mail yeah yeah do people still write letters I don't know uh, it'd be nice if I got a letter it would uh, anyway it was the Liverpool Comic Con on Sunday I went I didn't no you didn't because we decided to go at the last minute because I couldn't go to the Manchester one for reasons far too complicated to go into it and I got lots of Star Wars comics for a pound each uh, and I enjoyed Shadows of the Empire, which is the one I've read so far. And I got Batman 300 off eBay. Okay. I've not read it yet. Okay. It's the last Batman story. Ever. Well, <laughs> apparently not, right. because they've done a good number of issues after that. But speaking of Batman, you see our segue there? It's very good. I am so very, very professional. Very? It's untrue, isn't it? Yeah. You wouldn't think we were amateurs. Are we? Well, are we, we, don't, we don't get paid. Oh, are we still amateurs? Yes, because you're an amateur until you get paid for it, and then you're a professional. Really? Yes. But but what if you what if you get paid for it, but you're still quite crap at it? So you're an amateur. So you're saying that David Hasselhoff is not a professional actor? He's he's he can act himself. <laughs> anyway. We're continuing our look at the magnificence that is Nightfall. In possibly um, a collection of highs and lows, as far as the Nightfall saga goes. Mostly lows. No, no! Having none of that, you're wrong. It's the Empire Strikes Back of Batman comics. But the Batman comic, but that's good. That's a high. The Empire Strikes Back is a high. Oh, it's a low. It's a low for the character. I see. It's a high for us as the audience. I see. I think so. Nightfall continued, not in one of the main Bat books, something that still sticks in my craw, but in Showcase Issue 7. Did you, were you know what, did you know what Showcase was? Um, yeah. Did you? Yeah. Oh. 
because I thought this was the only two issues this book had. Um, yeah, but I saw adverts for it whilst reading Death of and other stuff. Oh, right, okay. Well, for those that didn't know, Showcase was a moderately short-lived anthology se- series from DC. Um, I want to say it ran for two years, three years? I've seen 92 and 93, yeah. Right, so it didn't run for much longer than that. Uh, which featured three stories, one normally related to Batman in some way, presumably to help with sales. This issue had a two-faced, two-part story, and has a quite glorious cover by Bill Sinkovich. I quite like it. It is, it's good, isn't it? Um, the issue of Showcase came out June 8th, 1993, with a July 93 cover date. So it was only a month behind in its cover dates. Very strange. It was Chapter 13 of the Nightfall Saga. It's got Two-Face dominating most of the cover. And his coin is spinning around his head to depict other people who have stories in the issue. Oh, so that's what it meant. Yes, that's what it is. It's Deathstroke the Terminator wearing a a bizarre outfit that I don't recall him ever wearing when I used to read the Teen Titans. But what do I know? Jade and somebody called the Peacemaker. I don't know if any of these characters ever spun off into their own book. Jade did. Did she? Mm -hmm. Jade and Obsidian. Well, were they in the Justice League at some point? she was also... Alan Scott's daughter. Oh, I wish her. And she died in Infinite Crisis, but I bet that doesn't matter. I bet she's got better now. Uh, The story is called Double Cross. It's written by Doug Mensch, drawn by Klaus Janssen. Janssen coloured as well. Ken Brusenak lettered, and Neil Posner and Denny O'Neill edited. The story initially picks up exactly where the last issue left off, with Alfred saying all they can do is wait. Robin beats himself up over not helping Batman out with Two-Face three weeks ago, and we go into flashback mode. That was flashback mode. Everything went wibbly as we went into flashback mode. Turns out, three weeks ago, Two-Face was blackmailing Legs Lyman, two-bit gangster, it's two, another two reference, with information gathered when he was D.A. Harvey Dent. He's no longer interested in prosecuting, he just wants a piece of the action. None of the rackets. Two-Face wants some of Lyman's men. Lyman calls Two-Face's bluff, so Two-Face blows him away. He requests 13 men to meet him at the Natural History Museum in two hours. Of course, this is a trap for the Batman, and Batman duly falls into it. That was very considerate of him, that one, not The hoods blow the bridge, causing the ugly Batmobile to fall into the river, whence Two-Face's men fish out the Batman. That was quick. It was, there's not really a lot to this story, to be honest with you. What did you think about it? Um, on page 14, page panels 14. 1 and 2, yes. I do like how Batman got pawned. And not only did he get pawned, but he got pawned by a security guard. What, the security guard who's just there just to be plot exposition? Yeah. <laughs> the security guard who explains no that... No idea I was put inside the belly of a brontosaurus. Uh... Actually, Mr. Batman, sir, <laughs> it was an apothosaurus. Did I say that right? Apatosaurus. Apatosaurus. Uh, now it used to be called Brontosaurus until all the museums finally changed the skull. See, when they found the specimen way back, it was mixed with other bones, including a skull which seemed to fit but was actually found. Now they found the complete specimen. The only dinosaur in history, or prehistory, to have two names and two heads. Yeah, so Batman didn't know something. World's greatest detective, my ass. Well, that's not detective work, not knowing something. I'm sure he would have found that out a bit later, Mm. wouldn't he? He's not stupid. Ah, Grant Morrison's Batman would have known. Oh, Grant Morrison's Batman knows 
everything and he's boring. I prefer Batman who doesn't know everything. And when did um, Batmobile have no, Batman have a Batmobile change? Well, it has been established in quite a few comics. No, that Jim Lee, big double thribble quadruple yeah. page spread of the Batcave. Yeah, where there's like loads there's of tons them. of Batmobiles. But th- when, when did my personal opinion? Yeah. Uh, Klaus Janssen couldn't draw Norm Brefogel's Batmobile, or uh-huh. they decided to put him in a different Batmobile simply because during the course of this story, Batman's Batmobile sinks to the bottom of the deep, Fair doesn't enough. it? So that's my thinking on it. Also, it could just be that this story wasn't terribly well plotted to integrate with the rest of Nightfall. And they wrote this and then realised, wait a minute, we can't have the Batmobile fall into the water because he uses the Batmobile after this. But that argument fits for everything with the story anyway and you still got to do it anyway. Yes, well, you know, it's it's not. That's on page 16, hmm. on the page next to it. It would have been quite funny here where Batman's just stood there pointing to him and she's like, you're lying! She's like, she just goes, yeah, I am. He's not the best liar in the world if he just admits to it, is he? <laughs> yeah. You liar. Yeah. I never not. lie. No, well, apart from when he does. See, what really bugs me about this is this is quite clearly labelled on the cover. In fact, the only reason I probably bought this is because it was labelled as being chapter 13, with the next issue of Showcase being chapter 14. In fact, yeah, I bought this from Thunderbooks in Blackpool, because Thunderbooks in Blackpool used to put the price stickers on the back, and it's still on. This cost me a whole £1.50 whereas the American price was $1.95, so that doesn't really fit with the exchange rate, but whatever. Yeah, and yet, yeah, yeah, well, 25 it, has, it still has a UK price on it, implying that these were still sold on the newsstand at this point. But, you know, it's got no burring on the ongoing storyline, and it's, it's just a huge con to make you buy Showcase 93. It's the worst kind of crossover in that it doesn't matter to the overall story, but they've labelled it as being Nightfall Part 13 and Nightfall Part 14. Far part, far thirteen. So you'll buy it. You could skip these two issues, yeah. and it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference. Because um, let, let's address what's it. When exactly three weeks ago did this take place? All through Nightfall, Batman has been banging on about how the tough ones, Two Face and the Joker, etc., hadn't made their move yet. And when we find out that he fought Two Face three weeks ago, really? Maybe he was so tired he forgot. <laughs> he just slipped his mind yeah. that he'd already fought Two Face. And this wasn't deemed important enough to be part of the main story. Or are we supposed to take it that Bruce has been laid up for three weeks so that the actual flashback took place in the main body of Nightfall somewhere? But it didn't because Nightfall can. It's just like it never stops. Yeah, so, so it just doesn't fit, does it? Mm. There are numerous two references throughout the story, this being a two-faced story. Um, obviously, Legs Lyman is a two-bit criminal, as we've already pointed out. The title is Double Cross, a bottle with two sides on page three, one by one on page six. Thirteen men is what Two-Face requests from Lyman, which is Baker's dozen. Two hours and double as judge and jury on page 11. And the dinosaur with two names that we've just talked about. And Two-Faces on page 14. Janus is on page 20. It's always fun spotting the reference, how many references to two they can shoehorn in yeah. to a Two-Face story. I do like Two-Face tossing his silver dollar with heads we win and heads we win. <laughs> that quite amused me. <laughs> Where his two halves are at war with each other. Is he always written as though he was split 
two people. Is that not something that only happened after the animated series? Was it? Or was the animated series that established that he had a split personality before he became Two-Face? I don't know. I can't remember. I mean, they did do a really excellent Two-Face story as a Batman annual with a gorgeous Neil Adams cover. Mm. I can't remember what annual number it was, but it was. I want to say it was the late 80s, early 90s that he did that, but it was really good. But I don't remember if that established that Two-Face was already schizophrenic before he became Two-Face, which was definitely the case in um, Batman the Animated Series. The Batmobile's crap in this, isn't it? It is a bit. It's gone is the sleek roadster of Bray Fogel's stories, and in its place is this boxy piece of cat. I mean, you know, that car's striking fear into nobody's heart. Look at that on page 15. Panel 6. It's, it's one of the cars from Cars. It's got eyes on the mouth. <laughs> and it's a big square hmm. on wheels. It's not a car that says, oh dear, look, Batman's coming. It's a car that says, oh, <laughs> Batman's, <laughs> Batman's coming. coming. Look at that piece of crap. <laughs> so, can't say I'm overly gutted that it got blown up at the end of the issue. Or the end of the story. It wasn't the end of the issue. What do you think of the art? Um, I'm not really a fan of um, I think it's crap. Oh, it, it does look a bit like um, Ramita Jr. On, at times. Well, I've never been a huge fan of Klaus Janssen, like your good self. Um, that I do concede he makes unusual inca when paired with John Byrne. And he does a pretty good job over John Ramita Jr. So it could be that you're just seeing more of the Janssen influence mm. over Ramita Jr.'s pencils. But when he does his own work, it just doesn't appeal. I just don't. I'm just not a fan, I just don't like it. It's scratchy and uninteresting. And it's The panel on page three, four, panel two, where he sees Two-Face for the first time, that's not scurry, is it? Two-Face should be a like bit scurry. No, I'm not a bit fan. I can draw a scurry Two-Face. Well, Two-Face should be. Um, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't appeal to me. I mean, you've just read Gothic for the first time, and he did the art for that as well, didn't he? Mm. Did you like the art in that one? At times. Same, yeah, same, no. I'd say I don't want to slag him off because I don't dislike him. And there are times, like I say, he inks John Byrne really well and he inks John Ramita Jr. really well. But I'm just, I'm not, not a fan, I'm afraid. Um, overall, this isn't a bad issue, but it, it just, it doesn't bring anything new to the table. Nice little recap of Two Faces Origin on page three, I suppose, if we're going to find something nice to say about it. This was skipped completely from both the novel and the audio adaptation. Was it? So, <laughs> it can't be that important. Can it? Two-Face isn't even mentioned in the novel. It's fine in terms of artwork and Two-Face is pretty cool. But Batman's arm's huge. And 
That's kind of wonky about the face and the cowl, do you think? Danny, is it not specifically meant to be wonky? I mean, look at his... Yeah, it is, it is drawn differently to how Batman's normally drawn. And I don't mind artistic interpretation, but... Yeah, yeah, it's not an awful cover by any means. Two Face just looks like Jesse Custer as Two Face. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't he? So cover up the half of his face that is Two Face and yeah, Jesse enough. Custer, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not awful by any means. Um, it's part fourteen of the overall Nightfall saga, which ran for nineteen parts, but really ran for twenty-three. Did it? Yes, we're going to point that out later on. Uh. Part two is called Bad Judgment, spelt without the E, because in terms of the law, that is actually the correct spelling. Is it? Yes, although I don't think uh, America have two spellings for judgment. I could be wrong about that. I was going to ask, is it an American spelling by any chance? Yeah, I don't think, they don't have an E in it, do they? They, they call it ju- judgment. <laughs> it's by all the same people, so I can't even be asked saying any of that again. Uh, Batman is fished out of the briny deep by a hook. But because he was playing possum, he quickly overpowers his first few adversaries. But because he is both weakened and out of his element, because let's be honest, he's Batman, not Aquaman, he is quickly taken down with a swift paddle to the head. In Two-Face's kangaroo court, the Batman wakes up tied to a chair, whilst Two-Face and the members of Lyman's gang form the prosecuting attorney, judge and jury. Batman is tried for various crimes, whilst Robin and Alfred try to figure out where Batman is being held. Two-Face wants to know why Batman betrayed him, and Batman says it because he was a good man before he became obsessed with Moroni, and that even before he became Two-Face, he became corrupted. Robin and Alfred figure out to check the old courthouse, just as Batman makes his stand before Two-Face kills him. Fighty McFightenstein, and Robin shows up just in time to help. However, when Two-Face and Batman end up hanging from a girder, Robin intervenes to save Batman's life and almost costs Two-Face his. The story flashes forward to now, with Bruce in his sickbed saying that Robin didn't make a mistake after all. Everybody's a winner because they don't want to make the loser feel upset. Yes, that, that's exactly right. That's all I got from these two issues anyway. Well, you know, what, what did you think of it? I thought Dent ain't no Atticus Finch shooting the judge like that. <laughs> it's quite funny. Two faces at his best when he's a raving lunatic, and he's just not mad enough in these. Mm. Certainly not compared to the Shadow of the Bat issues that we're going to cover in a minute. This Two Face is just dull. No, no, compared to the villain in those uh, particular stories, Two Face is just a, a rave. Is not. He's not even a raving lunatic. He's just a bit boring. Um, the advert on page 12 is... Have I just missed... The advert for all the comics that you can buy. Yes. Have I just missed that little picture there? Or has it always... Well, given that we're an audio medium, yes. we need to describe that it's well, as real as Batman. But it's his funky costume. Because what yes. I was say, um, it's quite stupid to have a spoiler like that this early because it's his very, very late night's fault. Um, even so before you're Batman basically saying they're comes. showing Azrael in his full bat garb. Even before he takes Before he's up. even took yeah. up the mantle of the bat. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that is a bit daft. Not quite as daft as Marvel releasing the final page of the death of Spider-Man to the newspapers before the book came out. And they did the same with three, didn't they? Oh, I don't know. Probably. But yeah, that is a bit stupid. Because, mm. well, there's a fine line, isn't there, between marketing and enticing people and spoiling a story. Mm, they're going to buy if they know how it ends. Well, well, technically they don't know how it ends, really. They know, at this point, Bruce is out of commission. 
We don't know who's in that mask, to be fair. Suppose so, yeah. On that advert? These two issues I thought were crap. <laughs> Tell it the way it is, man. Yep. I mean, story-wise, we've said where do they take place. There's no room for them, and Batman doesn't seem to be tired at all in this, even though no, there, season there's Christmas just a few out. cursory mentions that he's got a bit of stubble. Yeah. And when he's in the water, he's just oh, I'm a bit tired. <laughs> Could go for a nap when I get back. To yeah, the I'm a bit of a kip. Otherwise, it's also crap. Mm. Um, I'm not much of a fan of Klaus Janssen, but doing gothic. Um, I did think it was good because there was cool bits where Batman's just on a roof and you can see all of Gotham. All yeah, of see, it. that's what I don't want to say he's a crap artist. Yeah. Because he isn't. I mean, obviously, he gets professional work in comic books, so there must be something to him. And let's be honest, he's a much better artist than I am. But just looking on page 18, look at Robin's face. What's with all those scratches on his face? What are they there for? Um, um, they're not shading because they're not good enough to be shading. No. And it's, I, don't, I don't. Also, contextually, after having this big climatic event, the story stops dead to tell you a story that doesn't matter at all. Yeah, no, yeah, I, you, they're all fair criticisms. Yeah. To be fair, and I don't disagree with any of them. You've just, like you say, you've just had this major important moment in the life of Bruce Wayne. He's just been broken by Bane um, we found out he's had his spine snapped he's had to have this drug and fallen into a coma what's going to happen next to fill in issues yeah. that don't even happen in Batman's own book and are largely a waste of paper uh, it's a, yeah very disappointing all around from Doug Mench and Klaus Janssen I personally think that this story possibly was written prior to Nightfall and they reworked it to take place within Nightfall just because of its placing and it's not necessary you don't need it if you don't have these two issues don't bother finding them because they're not necessary to the overall storyline if you have the trade paperback they are in there but they don't need to be to be honest with you there's problems with logic as well I mean if you have a look on page 2 panel 1 Batman's in in the sea right yeah so where is he getting the leverage to simultaneously jump up and lift the guy off the boat with the hook on page 2 and hold him up like that yeah I mean what's he pushing against there unless that's the shallowest piece of the sea ever yeah and he's pushing against the floor. But even that, have you ever tried to get leverage in the sea? The floor gives way underneath your feet because it's sandy. It's it's not possible. Now, I know Batman frequently does the improbable, but he very rarely does the impossible, unless he's been written by writers that will remain nameless for this particular episode. And why doesn't he have his rebreather with him, like he did in the sewage issue? Um. I know he's playing possum, um, but he quite clearly says at some point, doesn't he? that he, he's only got so long to hold his breath before they show up. So, but if he had his rebreather in his utility belt, he could be breathing on page what? Because as soon as they find him, he strikes. He forgot it. He doesn't forget it. He has it with him all the time. It's part of his utility belt. It makes no sense that he wouldn't have it here other than the writer didn't want him to have it here. It's plot over character, which never works. Again, there's numerous two references in this story. Two-Face's charges for Batman. Two-Face duplicity, double-dealing, two counts of betrayal and a double-cross. Batman's mask is described as a second face. And there's a Janus Avenue. What's Janus Avenue? Uh, it's just somewhere that Robin mentions. What is Janus Avenue? Janus is the two-faced god. Oh, okay. In um, mythology. 
Roman mythology, I think. Yes, ancient Roman god Janus, god of beginnings and transitions. He has two faces. They look simultaneously into the future and into the past. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, I thought you had. I thought you knew who he was. I didn't know his name, but I, I, I don't know. Um, he's my old drinking buddy. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> you saw him down the pub last night, did you? I did, yeah. yeah he's a very nice man. He um, saw me in the pub. He never knows if he's also. coming or going. Oh. Um, did I miss something? Or how do Robin and Alfred know that Batman's been taken? Did I miss something in the story? Was I just so unengaged Maybe by this? Maybe we have a Cerebro in the back computer. No, because he says he's going back out. They know he's going after Two-Face. He leaves Robin and Alfred in the Batcave. So they know he's gone after Two-Face. And then the Batmobile blows up and goes into the water. And they fish him out. And they beat him over the head. And they take him away. And then, if you're adamant about assisting the Master... I suggest we fortify ourselves. And then suddenly they take that as, you know, mm. let's go and find him. They don't actually know he's in trouble. You got nothing better to do. Well, that's true, apart from stuff the first with sandwiches. Um, Batman admits that he made a mistake on page seven by not allowing Robin along. A lesson that he doesn't seem to take with him into any subsequent issues of Nightfall. Yeah. Given that he spends the rest of the stories that are supposedly take place after this constantly saying, Hey, Robin, you stay behind. You look after the Batmobile. You dust the Batcave. It, it needs looking after. Yeah, you never know. Some Robin may come along and try and nip the tyres. Clean, clean up the bat poo in the cave. Yeah. <laughs> the bat guano. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I really don't like these two issues. Taken on their own, they're an okay but rather repetitive and dull two-faced story that just kind of feels a bit uninteresting. But as part of Nightfall... They add nothing to the overall arc. I mean, it could just be poorly placed, as you point out. Why do we care about a flashback story when Bruce Wayne's just had his back broken? But even as a standard issue of Nightfall, this, this you could easily skip this. It doesn't matter. The timeline makes no sense. If this was to take place three weeks ago, why is it never referred to in the regular narrative over in the Batman books? It's not like it's written by an outsider. Doug Mench written this. Yeah. Or Munch. Or however you pronounce his name, wrote in his reg- he writes the Nightfall stuff. So why it wasn't referenced in any way, I don't know. Other than that, repeated mention of Batman being fatigued, there is no mention of Bane, and you know, skip them. They're not included in either the audio drama or the novel. They're not necessary. Skip them. Move them. Be gone. Send them to the fiery pits of hell. Yeah. Like Reading them like at this point was quite a chore. Hmm to be honest with you, because you just wanted to go, what's going to happen next? And then they do that. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Not impressed at all. Robin. Jean-Paul. It's time to talk. I thought it might be. Bruce can't be Batman anymore. Not with a broken back. So I need help. The whole city needs help, Robin. And I'm ready. Azrael is ready. Bruce doesn't want Azrael. Here. (gasps) My Saint Dumas! He chose you to wear the mantle of the bat. His costume? One of them fitted for you. But why do I dress as Batman? I am Azrael. I have a uniform. You don't understand Gotham City. The madness out there is rooted in this town's psyche. And so is the Bat. You think I can be as good as him? No one's as good as him. You're wrong. I'll be better. Big words. Just don't try them out on Bane. So good. Finally, we get back to a regular Bat book. Excellent. Nightfall continued properly... Back in the regular Batman books, Batman issue 498, chapter 15 of Nightfall, all 
also came out on June 15th, 1993, the same day as Showcase 8, and again has a cover by Kelly Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I'm also getting the distinct impression the covers are treading water a bit. And this is another cover of Bane looking steroided out and pulling at Batman's cape and cowl. Catwoman is on the cover as well in a truly ugly purple and grey outfit. Ugh. Yeah, that was a 90s get-up. Was it? Yeah. It's not very good. <laughs> the 90s were a fashion faux pas mm. as far as Selena Kyle was concerned. <laughs> um, it's an alright cover. I, d- I don't hate it. I don't like it. It exists. What do you think? Excellent. Good. It, it, it looks dull. It's, uh, nothing's happening on it, is it? Well, you see, Catwoman's like sitting like there. that. And Bane's towering over, ready to, ready to put the back cowl on him. Well, or is he just... Does, does it look to you like he's stretching a piece of rope and he's just going to creep up behind her and start garroting her? Or maybe he's going to put it on an area and do things to her. No, that's just wrong. It's, but look it's, at it! Look where she is! She's at the perfect height. Yeah, it's an adequate cover. It doesn't really do anything interesting. It's like, oh, um, The story is called Nights in Darkness. It's written by Doug Mensch, penciled by Jim Aparo. The inker this time is Rick Burkett. Whilst again, the rest is by Adrian Roy, colours Richard Starkings, letters Bo Gorfinkel and O'Neill did the editing, and Bob Kane was the creator. Do you think we're going to mention a Two-Face story in this? Um, I don't think so. No. I'd put money on them not doing, to be honest with you. Uh, Bruce wakes up and notes that Gotham belongs to Bane. As if to make Bruce's point, across town Bane is taking out various mobsters because, to quote Queen, I want it all! Bruce deduces that it's his back and that Bane destroyed him. No, that's a different song. Alfred tells Tim that what Bruce needs now is the renewed will to recover. He has never been beaten before, not like this, and he will need his mind rebuilding before they can heal his body. They decide they need Chandra Kinsolving and take Bruce upstairs out of the cave. They need a cover story, so they destroy one of Bruce's Porsches and say he was in a car accident. After picking up Dr. Kinsolving, Alfred shows her to a fully equipped medical facility and offers to pay for her to be a private doctor for as long as Bruce needs it. It doesn't take Kinsolving long to deduce that Bruce is lying to her about his injuries. Bane baits a trap for Catwoman, which she falls into. He offers her an opportunity to work for him for specialist jobs. She says she'll never work for him, but will work with him. Catwoman has stones. Nobody else stood up to him. Bruce, with Tim's help, realises that Batman needs to be seen again to dispel the myth that he's dead and also to reinforce his creature of the night status. He agrees that Jean-Paul assumed the mantle of the bat as long as he does not confront Bane. The new dynamic duo head to police headquarters where Gordon is relieved to see Batman up and around. In his bed, Bruce ponders telling Chandra everything. Sleeping peacefully or not, Alfred, this man has suffered a severe spinal trauma. He belongs in a special hospital. I'm afraid that's impossible, Dr. Kinsolving. Mr. Wayne, as you know, is the CEO of an extremely prominent business. Where his injury made public, it would be perceived as a weakness, and his affairs could well suffer. A fractured spine is far more than a perceived weakness, Alfred. Without hospital facilities, it is Mr. Wayne who will suffer a great deal. Dr. Kinsolving, I'm not arguing with you, just attempting to show you. I have had the gymnasium adjoining Master Bruce's bedroom re-equipped. You tell me this man has broken his back in a car smash and you re-equipped his gymnasium? Let me show you. Oh, my. X-ray? Hydrotherapy? Even a body scanner? Mr. Wayne is a considerably wealthy man. 
and he would want his doctor to have every means necessary to help him recover, no matter how long it takes. In a case like this, Alfred, you could be talking the rest of this man's life. Um, I quite like this one, to be honest with you. What did you think? Well, at the beginning, is it just me or did Bruce come off as a bit of a whiner? Uh, he's just had his back broken. A bit of self-pity is perfectly understandable oh, under the circumstances. Is, is and also, the wrecking of Porsche, right? Yes. That sounds like fun to me. Yeah, but not how they do it. Oh, waste of a good Porsche. Waste of a good Porsche, yeah. Um, I also learned what chain smoking means from I this issue. Did you not know what chain smoking was? I thought chain smoking was just smoke, 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 and smoke. It's like just... One after the other, and one after the other, like Bill. No, Hicks you light and... the previous. Right. You light the next cigarette with the previous cigarette and just carry out. I thought it was Bill Hicks smoking two lighters a day. <laughs> no. But right. yeah, I suppose that is a bit. Yeah. Um, also, on pa- panel, no, page twenty-one, panel two. The buildings on that look damn cool. Yeah, the... they, look, they look like buildings from Manchester. The architecture is pretty good. Is this was this after they'd redesigned Gotham City to look like? Tim Burton's movies. Um, I know Tim Burton's movies were out about this because there's an advert. For there's it. an advert for Batman Returns. Yeah. In this, well, there's an advert for a Batman Returns game, which means that the film must have been out around here, August 1993. So it came out in June 93. Yeah. So Batman Returns probably was out at about this time, and they did do a storyline where Gotham City's architecture was reworked to look like. Anton First's design for the film. And now it looks like Metropolis. Yeah, now it's, you know, it just doesn't look that interesting. Um, the story picks up exactly where the last issue left off. So you can completely skip the showcase issues and miss absolutely nothing. Uh, this also dispels the notion that Bruce has been in bed for three weeks, as this story clearly takes place on the same night. So, well, uh, there was one theory for the two-faced story thrown out the window. Uh, the action for the issue cross-cuts between Bane taking the city and Bruce realising what has happened to him. Take back the city for yourself tonight. I'll take back the city for me. Take back the city for yourself tonight. Whoa, whoa, God knows you put your life into its hands. And it's both cradled you and crushed But now it's time to make your own demands Whoa, whoa All these years later and it's killing me Your broken records and words Ten thousand craters where it all should be Whoa, whoa No need to put your words into my mouth Convincing it all I love this place enough to have no doubt Whoa, whoa It's a mess It's a start It's a flawed work of art Your city, your call Every crack, every wall Pick a side, pick a fight Get your Yeah, after days, but we're all glad for 
obviously not a world that the new creatively bankrupt DC will bring Jason Todd back in about 15 years. I read that story. Well, not the bring him back, but the first part where he comes back with the Well, we've not got the Red Hood stuff, have we? No, but I mean, in Horse, it pretty much tells you everything you need. If Jason Todd was going to come back, he'd come back as a raving lunatic. And so he has done. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, Alfred works really fast, doesn't he? He does, yeah. I was dead impressed with that. The morning after they pick up Batman, not only has he treated him for his spinal injury, he's arranged a cover story, found a private doctor, and managed to fully equip a medical facility within Wayne Manor. We should have him, <laughs> we should have him working over here, working on the roads. We should have him working on the NHS, yeah. if he's that good. <laughs> I'm very impressed with that. Um, Tim acknowledges that nobody is as good as Bruce, and Jean-Paul says he will be better. Pride before a fall seems to be a, a running theme throughout these stories, doesn't it? When did Gene Paul become a blonde hunk? Um, when he listened to Elvis. If you look on page 18... Yeah, he's not he's not John Lennon anymore on page 18, is he? He's got, no. he's got a big quiff and lots of blonde wavy hair and a big stubbly jaw. Yeah. It's, <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> in between yeah, Sword of Azrael and this. To make him look like Batman with a cow on. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, fair enough. Um, who is this Leopold bloke who's hanging around with Catwoman? Does he not come off as a bit of a John Constantine wannabe? He comes across as a bit of a bonehead to me, to be honest with you. I mean, yes, I do see that he does come across as a bit Constantine-y. But I have no idea who he is. No, I mean, but I've never read Bat- Catwoman's own book from around this time. So maybe he was a, a big player in that particular story. But, no, he strikes me as somebody eminently slappable. Yeah. To be honest with you. There's a great Reign of the Superman advert in this book. If we flip through the pages. Cyborg Superman taking down Superboy by Tom Grummet and Doug Hazelwood. That's fantastic. Has, um, Thing of the Co-City stuff happened? Yes, yeah. oh, at okay. that point. Fair enough. Yeah, because why would that be Co City? It looks chance? like they're in the wreckage of Co City. Yes, fair enough. Yes, the reign of the Superman was happening at the same time as Nightfall, so it was a fantastic time mm. to be reading both Superman and Batman. All this cool stuff happening at the same time. It's you know it's all right, bit padding, not a terrible issue by any means whatsoever. H's Comics. We'll return after these messages and station identification. Gathered together. From the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman. The Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring The Thrilling Adventures of Superman Golden Age Superman The Superman Fan Podcast Superman in the Bronze Age From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast Superman Forever Radio The Superman Vidcast The world's best podcast The SFR Daily Planet And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com As well as the audio dramas Superman, Last Son of Krypton and Supergirl, Last Daughter of Krypton from Pendant Audio Production. 
Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, J. David Weeder, Cayman Stoll, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co-host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Now, however, we have a nightfall interlude. Do we? Yes, we do. A three-part tale from the other older readers' Batman book of the time, Shadow of the Bat. Shadow tended to concentrate on harder-edged, more psychological stories, mostly by Scottish writer Alan Grant. Um, I recall Shadow being a really good book, but the reason we weren't going to cover it here because it isn't numbered as part of the overall Nightfall story arc. However, it is in the trade paperback of these stories, so we decided we'd do a quick rundown of the story as a whole. I, for one, am very glad we did. Was it... This... Go on. It was it in the novel and the audio thing? Um, no. Oh. This story is also completely skipped over in the novel and the audio adaptation. But these three issues urinate all over the showcase one. Why did they not number these as 13, 14 and 15 of Nightfall? Yeah. And then make the whole story a 20-part story instead of 19 parts? Because these three issues are fantastic. In my opinion, you you know, so your opinion may differ. The thing's the same also. Yes, he's a bit excited. Shadow of the Bat 16, 17, 18 all came out monthly on July 20th, August 10th and August 24th, 1993, boasting September-October cover dates. All three have simply magnificent Brian Stelfreeze painted covers and all of them are written by Alan Grant with art by Brett Blevins and Mike Manley. Adrian Roy colours it, Todd Clean letters it and Bob Kane created it. cool names. Yeah. Brett Blevins and Mike Manley. Brett Blevins and Mike Manley, yes. They, they are pretty good names, it has to be said. Um, the first cover has Scarecrow terrorising somebody who looks like he's wearing a very 90s virtual reality helmet. Um, He's wearing red and blue and yellow, so I'm wondering if it's Tom Welling that he's got strapped to that chair. Just a thought. Um, the story follows three particular plot strands over the course of its three issues, and uh, all of them tie together beautifully at the end. The first strand concerns the Scarecrow, also known as Professor Jonathan Cray, who has arranged a harmless psychology experiment at Gotham University. In fact, he just wants stoolies, fueled by his new strand of fear gas, as he believes the current state of the world's affairs is due to the flight from religion, and he feels he's destroying mankind. And he thinks that what the world needs is a brand new god. A god for the people of Gotham to worship. Himself. He will declare himself a brand new god of fear. One of his stoolies is the son of the first man he ever killed, and he takes him on under the influence of his fear gas as a protégé. He uses the stoolies to plant his fear gas at strategic positions around Gotham to panic the populace. He then uses various 3D projectors to project himself around Gotham, inducing paranoia and fear throughout the city. He calls Gordon and demands that he declares him the god of the city before he detonates his final tanker of fear gas that will lay waste to Gotham. This is, in fact, a lie, and he plans to discharge the contents into the water supply so everyone in the city is affected with his fear gas. Under the paranoia, the city burns. The Batman tracks him down, and Skirker orders his protégé to leap off the building. Batman is prepared to let him die to stop Skirker and ends the Skirker's reign of terror. The second strand... Well, do you want to read the second strand? Oh, so it's not all just me. Go on, then. The second strand concerns Anarchy. Anarchy was a character in the earlier story, a vigilante who strives to overthrow the government and espouses the desire to improve social conditions. 
in this story, Anarchy, a.k.a. Lonnie Makin, Machin. Yeah, something like that. Escapes from prison in all the furrow and once again embarks on his quest for social change. He quickly decides the best way to affect this is to rid Gotham of Batman. Batman, he feels, is responsible for all the madness in the city. Without him, there would be no Joker, Two-Face, Zaz, etc., as they all exist only to answer the challenge of the Bat. He tracks Scarecrow down first, and then waits for Batman to arrive. Anarchy tries to take Batman down as he fights the Scarecrow, but Scarecrow's fear gas affects them all. With the tide of the battle turning in Batman's favour, Scarecrow orders his protégé to leap off the building. Batman is prepared to let him die to stop the Scarecrow, but Anarchy saves the boy, and Batman ends the Scarecrow's reign of terror. Did you see what I did, though? I did, yeah. Did you, you like what I did? Tied the ending yeah. together. I've pretty much just done the entire three issues in one paragraph. Yes. Yeah. The third strand follows the Batman. Jean-Paul Vallée is now in the cape and cowl, and slowly becoming more and more brutal. The beatings he affects on the perps are far more brutal and unnecessary than anything Bruce used to do, and he orders Robin to stay behind. He starts tracking down the Scarecrow, dismantling his 3D projectors before confronting Crane himself. He is unaware he has been tracked by anarchy, and he attacks Batman, causing Crane to unleash the fear gas on the three of them. Such Dumas's programming won't let Jean-Paul be afraid, and he turns the tables on the Scarecrow. With the tide of battle turning in the Batman's favour, Scarecrow orders his protégé to leap off the building. Batman is prepared to let him die to stop Scarecrow, but Anarchy saves the boy, and Batman ends the Scarecrow's reign of terror before telling Anarchy that if he sees him again, he will crush his head like an egg. Um, page two. Of which the, issue? The first, the first issue. issue. Yeah. Did you not think the shadows of the Scarecrow made him look like the Tallyman? He did look a bit like the Tallyman. Um, and also a bit like the Mad Hatter in Silhouette. And um, the virtual reality helmets that the Scarecrow puts on the head look a bit like Cylons. Just, yeah. Give him one long guy instead of two eyes. <laughs> By um, your command. Page 3, panel 5. Of which issue? The first one. Okay. When um, Robin says street clothes for upstairs, the suits stay in the cave. Yeah. In the issue where Bane beats up Batman, wasn't Bruce wearing his suit in the mansion? He wasn't wearing the cape and cowl, and he had his... Hugh Hefner yeah. dressing gown over the top of it. It was like a big yeah, I do, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. He broke his own rule and he ended up being broken himself. So Fair there's enough. a moral to this story, obviously. I dropped my pen. Yeah, it don't matter. Um, I thought Anarchy was just DC's equivalence as V. He is a bit V for vendetta Yeah. to be honest with you. It's not a criticism. He's meant to overthrow the government, right? Yeah, well, not so much overthrow the government in that he just believes the government is corrupt and that political officials are all corrupt and anarchy's basically ill-ill-illivered hippie in many ways, which is fair enough. How does he plan to do that by fighting crime? Um, I don't remember a lot about anarchy, so I don't wish to say anything, but I would like to go back and read the issues of Detective Comics where Anarchy first appeared because he is an Alan Grant creation hmm. and he did do an awful lot with Anarchy in later issues of Shadow of the Bat and he basically got his own series did he? yeah it didn't last very long oh, okay. but he did get his own his own series eventually um, page 11 panel 6 oh yes where, where Batman says lost your key low life it'd be funny if the guy who was trying to get into the car just said well y- yes I have actually, actually could, yes. could you help me could find you help it? me get into my car Batman Man, please. <laughs> Very good. 
You see, my wife's going into labour right now, and I need to rush over to that quickly. Yeah, and John Paul Valley would just kick the crap out of it. Get, get in the Batmobile. No, that'd be great. What the... No. Um, I quite like the art in the Nightmare sequences, um, especially page 16. Yeah, it's, Brett Blevins is a mixed bag, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, page 16 of, of the first part is very good. Also, um, you know it says, I will show you fear in a handful of dust. Yeah. It seems to become the Scarecrow's catchphrase, right? Yes. Yeah. Every time he's in it, he says that. Was this because he was in the early issues of Sandman and that was its slogan? Was the Scarecrow in Sandman? Yes, he was. I don't remember that. When um, Dr. Destiny escapes, there's bits where he's just sat there talking with the Scarecrow. Yeah, well, I mean, see, it's entirely possible it was a throwback to his appearance in Sandman. Is that the T.S. Eliot quote? It existed before Sandman. No, I mean, did Scarecrow say it is what I'm trying to say? I don't know, he may have done. I can't say I've ever read every single Scarecrow appearance that has ever I'm been. I'm going to read them now, just to try and prove just my to point. See the, well, yes, you would do that, because you have far too much time on your hands. Um, and also, I really like the big double-page spread in issue two. What, where he's uh, projecting himself in his 3D projector over Gotham City? Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it is pretty cool, that. Um, I don't think my synopsis did did this story justice to be honest with you uh, I think this is quite simply a magnificent run of comics much more relevant to the overall nightfall art than the waste of ink two-faced two-parter the Scarecrow was an integral part of nightfall and in the regular books he just disappears here after the Joker beat the cack out of him wasn't it yeah uh, here we find out what happened to him in a wonderfully literate, multi-layered story from Alan Grant, Grant uses the Scarecrow's love of literature to throw in quotes from Shakespeare's Othello, T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, the works of the Right Honourable Edward Burke, Edmund Burke, Ben Johnson, Francis Bacon, Lord Tennyson, Michael de Montan, Montagne, however you pronounce it, and FDR. Now, sometimes this can come across as terribly pretentious, but Crane is supposed to be pretentious. So it works perfectly. There's a wonderful juxtaposition between the standpoints of the three main characters, Scarecrow, Batman and Anarchy, in that all three men are inflexible in their beliefs, convinced that they are right, and borderline fanatics. Well, alright, except the Scarecrow really is a fanatic. Mm. By the end of the story, we're not entirely convinced that Batman's not insane as well. Well, there was a bit in the Scarecrow's origin in this, mm. where one of the douches says to him, oh, spending all his money on books. What a loser. And he's just sat there going, I, I, I spend all my money yeah. on books. Well, anti-intellectualism. It yeah. reminded me of that Twilight Zone time enough at last. Have you not watched that one yet? Which one is it? The one with Burgess Meredith, where he's just a guy who just wants to read all the time and oh, people no. pick on him for reading all the time. You just want to slap them <laughs> yeah. about the face, don't you? Isn't that Bill Hicks? It's like, what you reading for? What you reading for? Not, 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 what am I reading? <laughs> what, what am I, I reading, reading for? <laughs> Excellent. Um, the art, I think the art's a bit of a mixed bag, to be honest with you. Blevins does a great job with the Scarecrow stuff, and the Nightmare stuff, yes, is brilliant. Some of the other stuff's a bit wonky, Yeah. to be honest with you. It didn't ruin an otherwise excellent story, though, as Nightfall kicks into high gear and starts setting up the idea that maybe Bruce hasn't picked the best man for the job. There's some really good adverts in this. There's an advert for issue 18 of Nightfall, which I presume you're going to make a, a ill-timed sexual joke about, given that it's got Bane rising up. 
With no clothes With on. no clothes on apart from his gimp mask. <laughs> looking quite burr-like. Yeah. And Batman cowering before his... There's no real other word to say. This groinal area. Holding a batarang. And you see... Do you, think he's got a, do you think he's got a gadget to get the taste out of his mouth? I, I, don't, I don't really wish to, to comment anymore on that cover. Um, there's an advert for a Green Arrow annual bloodlines where you instantly know you're in the 90s. Because is that supposed to be Hal Jordan that's grabbing Green Arrow by the throat? No. Is it not? Who is it? I don't know. Because he's got a ponytail. The hook. And a mask. And a hook for a hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, the 90s. But it gets even worse. As you progress through the book, you get to an advert for Detective Comics Annual 6. What's Detective Comics Annual? It's a uh, dick was a term for private detectives. So, <laughs> uh, Where Batman is now wearing shiny, shiny gloves of shininess with big steel claws for him to beat people to a bloody pulp. Scratch baby. Yes, the wow. 90s. But the, the epitome of the 90s in this book is an advert for Hawkman, where suddenly Hawkman's wearing armour and has a big sword and Wolverine claws. <laughs> he's get up after um, Zero. I don't know, but the 90s are back. There's another Reign of the Superman advert where Superman's wearing all black with a big silver S. And leading Steel and Superboy into battle. Obviously leading to the end of Reign of the Superman. Uh, issue 2 had another excellent cover by Brian Stelfreeze, which I already said. Featured an advert for the final issue of Nightfall. Another advert for the Reign of the Superman is upon us. I like Superman that. 82, with all the Supermen on it, apart from the Cyborg. But Green Arrow's on it as well, isn't he? Green Lantern, Green sorry. Lantern, yeah. And Supergirl. An advert for the Bloodlines crossover. I don't think I read any of them. I read the... Um demon one just because it was uh, Garth Ennis and uh, John McCreary and it was the first appearance of Hitman oh right so I've not read that I'm, I'd, I'd avoided anything that had blood in the title during the 90s I found it was easier uh, there's an advert for Zero Hour there's another so very 90s advert for Hawkman where there's a guy in big boots ripped jeans and a big long trench coat oh god damn 90s makeovers were among some of the worst ever done in comic books, is my humble opinion. It's not that the 90s was all awful. There was some pretty damn good stuff in the 90s. Um, Me? Yeah, well, yeah. There's an advert for The Demon, speaking of. Garth Ennis' and John McRae's run on The Demon, which, again, I've never read. I'm interested in reading it. Have you not read it? No. I read that annual. Oh, is that all you've read? And the third issue has an advert for The Metal Men. By Mike Carlin, Dan Jurgens, and Brett Breeden. Never been interested in the Metal Men. And every other story that I've ever read with them in has not made me any more interested in them. I don't know why that would be. Uh, the back of issue two has an advert for California, Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis. I had to analyse that in my media studies. What, that poster? Yeah. Or that film? The poster. Well, it's interesting that the two people in the back is David Duchovny and Michelle Forbes. Wait, what? That's David Duchovny from the X-Files. Right. And that's Commander Kane from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, it's a woman? Yes, or Ensign Rowe from Star Trek The I, Next I Generation. I thought they were... They were um, Depending on... me. Your, no, no, no. <laughs> Depending on your age. Um, there's a brilliant advert in part three for Superman Back for Good and Better Than Ever. Again, Tom Grummet and Doug Hazelwood. Superman flying over Metropolis, knocking it out the park. 
love Grummet and Hazelwood's artwork. Can't say enough nice things about it. Another very 90s advert for a Deathstorm Bloodlines issue. Deathstroke the Terminator Annual 2. Uh, big thigh-high boots on that one. Every cliche accounted for. Um, I'm not even going to describe the Eclipso Annual, to be honest with you. I don't know what all that's about. Yes, heartily recommend those three issues. Not in the adaptation, the audio adaptation or the novel, but really did get the juices flowing again after the disappointment that was the Two-Face Two-Parter. Which brings us to our final issue for this week. Did you like those ones? You've not actually said. Um, I didn't mind. I thought they were great. I didn't think they were great. Um, but I like the Scarecrow. Uh, it's made me go on eBay and scounge up more issues of Shadow of the Bat, which I don't actually have. Any? Just them? Um, just, just any that are written by Alan Grant. I remember him being really good, yeah. to be honest with you, because he did a long run on Detective Comics with Norm Brayfogle before they did Shadow of the Bat. So I'm quite down with that. And uh, we'll probably purchase some more. Finally, for this week, there's probably not going to be a lot of audio clips this week as well, I have to say, because none of these stories are really in the audio. So far, of all the ones we've covered, uh, only Batman 498 has any significant scenes that are in the audio drama, Mm. where they recruit Chandra Kinsolving and trash the Porsche. That's in the audio book. But Detective Comics 665 carried the banner of Nightfall, almost totally eclipsed over the number 16. The cover has Batman beating up the last of three criminals with a piece of wood with two nails in it. Away <laughs> the way to go. <laughs> beating the crap out of him with a baseball bat with nails drove through it. Brilliant. Uh, you bought because um, I'd like to nail you. Oh, shut up. Robin looks on horrified. It's a good cover. Um, Kelly Jones, demonic scurry. Batman works very well here. Um, not convinced Robin by his Robin, like though. He's got a huge head. Yes, he, he does look like he's got a huge head. He looks a bit like Herman Munster on mm. that cover. You've never watched the Munsters, have you? No. Tech 665 came out on June 29th, 1993, with an August cover date. It was called Lightning Changes and was written by Chuck Dixon with art by Graham Nolan and Dick Giordano. Batman and Robin are surrounded in an alley by many thugs. Before any of the thugs can do anything, Batman takes them all out as brutally as possible, as this is Gene Paul Valley's Batman. Good double page spread on page two and three of him punching some guy in the face. He's not punching his explosion. Yeah, it does look like he's making his face explode. Just before he goes all far on some dude's head, Robin <laughs> stops him, letting the bad guy run off. Oh, he's always a spoiled sport, isn't he? Back at Wayne Manor, Bruce calls to find where Chandra Kinsolving is. Kinsolving. Kinsolving. The woman on the other side of the phone tells him that he's, uh, she's next door at Jack Drake's house. At his house, some armed dudes walk around out of sight. They are also patrolling the grounds of the mansion, and Bruce deducts that there are men working for Bane. Batman tells Robin to do whatever he wants, because he's going after Bane. Over at the manor grounds, Bruce takes out some armoured dudes, even though he's in a wheelchair. Yay. He traces them back to Jack's, where they seem to be making a deal with Chandra, and Bruce attacks them, but they defeat him and take Chandra in a big van. Batman smashes through the roof of the building into the middle of a meeting of Bane's goons. Batman goes after Tony Bressett, the lead to Bane, leaving Robin to a bunch of dudes he can't deal with. 
He corners Toner and he then eventually submits. And then Batman takes off with Toner off to find Bane. Oh, who are you people? Why the guns and masks? Get in the van, Dr. Kinsolving, or we shoot the geek in the wheelchair. Run, Chandra, don't worry about me. Oh, yeah. Chandra, what's going on? Bruce, no! They're armed! Another wheelchair? Shoot that one, Taz, no witnesses. No, you don't want him, you want him. Chandra, you picked a dumb time to come calling, cripple. I'll take the gun, friend. Oh. You should never oh. underestimate the disabled. Oh. Come on, Taz, let's go! Oh, you ain't so tough. Will I knock you out of that chair? Come on, Taz, move it! Yeah, sure! Soon as I kill this geek! Oh, uh, it's at this point. Very good synopsis, young Michael. Oh, thank you. Uh, Bruce deduces that this is Bane's men. He's wrong. Yes, as it will turn out in Night's Quest. Um, all of the stuff with Chandra and T- Jack Drake is in the audio drama and the novel, but what you'll find now is the novel cherry picks a great deal. The Night's Quest storyline goes on for, what, 20-odd issues? Yeah. Whereas in the novel, you're not looking at more than 100-odd pages. It compresses it quite a lot. Um Batman is slowly going more and more over the deep end here, with his punishment of criminals being a lot more vicious and brutal than Bruce Wayne ever was. He's rebuilding Batman's reputation as a fearsome creature of the night, though, after the uh, damage it took last week. Because I did say I don't see how he can go back to being a creature of the night again after that beating, but yeah. uh, Jean-Paul Valley's doing a pretty good job. Has to be said. Demonic like with the hammer. Yeah, with the hammer with two nails in it. <laughs> Oh, that cover would have been banned in the fourth, in the 60s, wouldn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine Rainbow Batman who goes visiting other planets and doesn't like talking to Batwoman because she's an icky girl? <laughs> Can you imagine that Batman beating somebody to death with a piece of wood with two nails in it? That's my hammer! That would be a fantastic 50s issue of Batman if that hey, happened. Give Adam West <laughs> kicking the crap out of Burgess Meredith with a baseball bat with two nails in it. <laughs> another piece of wood to Catwoman. <laughs> ah, Adam Wee is in control now. <laughs> oh, oh, do you mean? I, I don't see it, to be honest with you. I don't see that happening. Alternate reality 60s Batman TV show where Batman, Batman was a thug. <laughs> oh, oh, dear me. Batman, we got a problem you need to solve it. Uh, do it yourself. <laughs> I'm going kicking people to death with a baseball bat. <laughs> oh, dear. The seeds of discord are planted in the Robin and Batman's relationship as well. These will only grow deeper as the story progresses into Night Quest. And in Tim Drake's favour, gives him his own book. Yes, it does. So that's quite good for him. Um, as far as the other media interpretations go, these stories start to get short shrift around here as both the novel and the audio adaptation have to concentrate on the main narrative thrust. The kidnapping of Chandra will lead to the Night Quest The Search spin-off, and this plays out in all three versions of the tale in much the same way. But Jean-Paul Valli's reign as the Batman is given more focus in the comics. The whole point of the comic story is the need to give readers a more brutal, more 90s Batman and show why this isn't necessarily a 
good thing, whilst the audio drama is more focused on Bruce Wayne. Interesting to see the different versions of the same story and how the various adapters edited, chopped and changed to suit their own narrative needs. It's been mentioned on the podcast from Crisis to Crisis, the Superman podcast, how you can basically chart the rise of the video game by reading these early 90s comics. Numerous ads for Mortal Kombat, Mario, the handheld Lynx console, etc. But the best ads are the ones that show the hot comics of the era. Deathmate? What does that even mean? Um, it, it means you... It, it means your best friend's dead. Or either that, or um, <laughs> a little bit of... Um, Finger. Yeah. What's it called? I don't want to know. Um, dead people. Blood strike. She bat versus spawn. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Duh. It's an ETM mega hit. She bat versus spawn issue three and issue four. Okay. Oh, there was some crap, wasn't there? Uh, there's a Nintendo advert for a Batman Returns game. Some of the other comics on this advert are really quite good. There's obviously X-Men was always hot. Batman is always hot. Superman's currently hot because he's coming off the death. There's Death Mate, never read it. Gen X, Dr. Mirage, never read it. Um, Strike Force and Super Patriot, never read it. Of all those, the only ones I've read is Daredevil, Man Without Fear. And I think that's probably the only one that still stands up. Um, of all these comic companies, I don't think Ultraverse exists anymore. I don't think Valiant exists anymore. Uh, Image is still around, but I don't know if they're publishing any of these books. Trencher? Much bigger now. Wild Cards? Wild Cats? Sorry, Youngblood? Oh, I'm going to toss that away mm. with utter disdain and pretend that I didn't know what it was. Um, go on. I have a thing with that issue. In what way? Well, Jack Drake. Since when has Jack Drake been living next door to Bruce? Um, didn't they move in next to Bruce Wayne after his mum was killed? I don't know. I think they did, because they did do a storyline where Tim Drake was originally Robin, and they were worried that he was spending too much time with this rich playboy. Um, <laughs> but after Jack Drake was wounded and his wife killed... Yeah. They moved in next door to Bruce Wayne so Bruce could look after them, okay. I think. But I could be wrong about that because it's been a while since so I read that. he's been living there that long and he's not deducted that he's Tim's Robin and Bruce's Batman. No, because Tim's smart. And also, how how big are the grounds of Wayne Manor? Quite large. Are they? Yeah. So it's acceptable for those dudes to just be hanging around there and no one notice. Yeah, because Bruce Wayne's manor is quite secluded. Uh, it's been established, I think, more than once that you would drive to your neighbour's house. Fair enough. You wouldn't just amble over for a cup of tea. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, we will close tonight's episode with the advert for Batman 500. Batman versus Bane, the ultimate blowout. One will emerge to rule the night. Gotham City will never be the same. And neither will Batman. Special double-sized issue, Batman 500. Ooh. And the, the cover, the, the poster, the, the fully eclipsed bat signal with bats flying over it is blood red. And as bats, as he would become to be called, is beating the cack out of Bane. Or undressing him. Or undressing him. And he just likes it. Depending cut. on how your mind works. Next week it. is the final three chapters of Nightfall. 1718 and the double-sized finale issue 19. Well, that's it for this week. 
Okay, Have you made any decisions on whether you want to do Night's Quest? I don't know. Night's End? I'm not a bother either way. Uh, we'll have to see. Alright, we'll see you next week for an all new episode. And with a bit of luck, we'll have some feedback. Because we like feedback. We do, we love feedback. See you next week, bye bye. Bye. Hey Kids Comics is that the devil will find work for idle hands to do production. Every Thursday, new episodes drop at aplayland.podomatic.com. You can join in the fun. We have a website where you can view the covers of the comics that we talk about, www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com, and the show can be emailed directly at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. If you're allergic to email, we also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks.com. We are also on Facebook. You can contact us using Hey Kids as the first name, Comics as the surname. The opinions of Michael and Andrew are the opinions of Andrew and Michael and no one else. Mainly because no one else would be dumb enough to have those opinions. The music and clips used in the show are copyright, their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money from this, much to their chagrin. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. (laughs) 